You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Hereford. If you would like to find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. You know, as I was preparing uh, to preach today, so uh, I always, when I'm preparing a preaching, I do two things. I prepare, pretty much. I go for the Bible, uh, but previously, previously uh, I go also, when everything is prepared, I go to the presence of God, I go down on my knees, I usually need to wait the kids to go sleep, so it can be quite late sometimes, <laughs> but then I surrender to God, and I say, God, now that I have prepared, please correct it. Please allow me to understand what I have done wrong, allow me to to keep listening in your heart because I want your presence. Your church needs your presence. We need your presence more than anything. We need your presence more than anything. There's nothing we need most than being in the presence of God. And today I want to read about Luke chapter 5 because I believe that God is drawing us, this church, We've been talking so much about the Holy Spirit. And there's one thing that we are aiming by talking about the Holy Spirit. is the presence of God in a deeper way, in a deeper level with Him. And the presence of God, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a testimony about our daughter Elena. Elena, today she's serving in Leminster. Elena, she, she did a sleepover at the Marriott. And we were telling her that, Elena, this Sunday you're going to be serving the church in Leminster, Okay. So you're going to be part of the kids' work over there in Lamster. And she was thrilled about it because our children, they, they, we've been talking about these two children at home. Of how they need to have the understanding of the presence of God in this place. We as parents, I've been talking a lot to Paulo about this. On how, and we started doing small services at home with our children where we do communion, where we choose a song to sing together, where we pray. Elena chooses what the songs we're going to sing together. And then we have communion. And then she wants, and she'll be part of it. Because as children, sometimes we deal with our children, bringing them to church as, but we don't realize the matter, the importance that is talking about the presence of God. Our children don't come to church because we are coming. Our children come to church and we as parents, we need to have, and not only us children, but your wife, your friends, your husband, they are coming to church. If you are bringing them to church, we need to understand that God himself, so God has been telling me that I don't bring Elena and Thiago to church because they have... They need to be with us. But I am bringing my children to church because God himself has a desire for them to be in his presence. And so many times, because I don't, I don't understand the importance of the presence of God, what do we do? Oh, Elena, I'm tired today. Oh, Elena, I'm really tired today. So we're not going to go to church, okay? going to stay at home because daddy needs to rest. And I don't understand that actually what I'm doing is saying, God, you had in your heart a desire to be with your daughter, 
You had a desire to be with your son, Tiago. And because I didn't look after properly my week, I'm going to punish my children to be in your presence because of my lack of management with my time. If we had the understanding of the presence of God, I would take a Red Bull and come to church and sleep over there in the back if there's any need. But I would never steal from my kids the privilege of being in the presence of their father. I told about you guys how I became jealous of God a few weeks ago. And I was, my flesh was jealous of God. Because we were, I, talk, I was talking to Elena, she said to me, so dad, I have two fathers. And I said, I can't believe that I'm going to have to give up my daughter. And I said to Elena, Elena, you know what? You have two fathers, the same way I have. She said, oh, I always thought I only had you as a father. And something inside of my flesh, my nature flesh, died that moment. Because I had to give up something that she was only mine. And I had to bring to my understanding that the presence of God is the most important thing that she needs. So I said to her, Elena, do you know what? It is true. God made you. You are first her daughter. The same way that I am first his son. But he is so good to me that he also made me your father. In the way that I can look after you. But it's so good to be in the presence of our Father in heaven, right? I said, yes. The understanding of the presence of God. So we were choosing uh, our clothes. And I came to Paula today and I said, which shirt do you prefer? A white one or a green one? And usually I save my best shirts for coming to church. I think it's something we lost. With the time going. People in the past, they would have the Sunday church outfit. And sometimes we think because it was religious, you know, it has, but let me tell you something. I believe it became religious by losing the understanding of the presence of God. But actually it started with the understanding that my, the most precious thing I have is the presence of God. Therefore, I'm going to save my best. So always when Elena is choosing her clothes to come to church, we're always telling her, Elena, we are coming to the presence of God. She says, oh, I want to put my most beautiful dress. I said, yes, don't save it for a party just. But use your most beautiful dress to come to church because, and you may say, but JP, this is a creation of man. God is everywhere. Let me tell you something, God is everywhere. But don't call this place or what we do on Sunday a creation of men. God doesn't like us meeting alone. And I'll give you an example of how. If I am with Paula in a party. And anyone else comes to say hello just to me. And ignores Paula. She will be mad. And I should be bad the same, the same way. Because the presence means we're going to have to sort out time together. And we think that Jesus likes to be worshipped alone. 
So if anyone comes to talk to me, JP, you're looking really smart today, really beautiful, and suddenly just ignores my wife, my friend, you will see someone that is so gentle becoming her. <laughs> but sometimes we think that Jesus accepts that without a problem. Someone coming to talk to him, Jesus, I love you. You are so beautiful, Jesus. And completing, ignoring the bride that is next to him. Jesus doesn't accept this compliments because he doesn't want us to ignore the bride that is together with him and we are with him the bride is with him we are part of the same body with Jesus Christ so we need to be together and there's an invitation for us to come deeper with him in his presence and I was preparing I was preparing I was thinking oh, should I be still talking about the gifts of the spirit should I be talking about this and God when I prepared everything, God, God started telling me, tell my people to go deeper. Everything that I'm equipping my church, everything that I'm doing, the amount of portion of my Holy Spirit that I want to pour out, is just because I want my people to go deeper in my presence. And there's an invitation. Can you open your Bible, please, in Luke chapter 5? If you start preaching earlier, does it still have means I can go to 12, right? <laughs> Tim, if you're watching at home, don't worry, okay? <laughs> uh, but there's an invitation for us. Everything that God is doing, He's doing because He longs for us to be in His presence. Luke chapter 5, one of my favorite scriptures of the Bible. Jesus is just beginning his ministry. He is not known by many as the Savior. He is not known by many as the Lord. So far, the beginning of the chapter 5, Jesus is still just the son of, for many of them, he was still just the son of Joseph and Mary. The son of these people who are carpenters? Yes? So Jesus is pretty much a carpenter, and now he's starting to become a master, someone who teaches, but so far he's not known by many, and especially by Peter. He's not known by Peter as the Lord. It's the first encounter of Peter, and we know the behavior of Peter. Peter was always full of energy, the one who was saying, I'm going to go into the end with you. He was so full of opinion, but Jesus, so far over here, uh, Peter, so far over here, he's just a fisherman. He's just someone who goes fishing, comes back fishing. That's pretty much his. And his relationship with Jesus so far is only, oh, I know he is doing something. I heard about him. So he is a master. He is someone, a master. He's someone who teaches. So Peter starts recognizing on him, on this Jesus Christ, that he has some sort of, of uh, revelation. He has some sort of, but still not his savior. And it's, he says over here, one day as Jesus was standing, chapter 5 of Luke, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genezareth, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge, how many boats? Two boats. Were they fishing that moment? No. They saw at the edge 
two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. So pretty much it's just have returned from the fishing. Then Jesus himself doesn't ask permission, but Jesus himself gets himself into one of the boats. There's two boats. And then he gets himself intentionally in the boat who belongs to whom? Simon Peter. And asked him to go a little bit from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So first we have this. Jesus coming, he sees to boats and nothing in the Bible. This is, there's no need for any word in this book to help, to be over here just to help us visualize. Every word in this, in this book is full of life. Everything that's over here written was inspired by the Holy Spirit to be here. So if he says that there was two boats, there's a meaning for there to be two boats. And it says over there that Jesus knew, Jesus got, just got there. When Jesus got there, they were not fishing, they were not in the boat, but Jesus knew which one was Simon's boat. And he doesn't get to the other boat. He intentionally gets into the boat of Simon. Because that's what Jesus does. There's not, if, if our life, my friend, was one meter cubicle, there's not a single centimeter of our life that Jesus is not longing to put his feet on. Our finances, our marriages, our, there's no, Jesus himself is the one who got himself to the book of Simon. And then he said, oh please, can you move a little bit after, out of the shore so I can teach. So what's over there? Peter, Simon, Jesus, and he's over there sharing the word of God to the people, listening to him. And then suddenly, verse 4, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, put out into deeper water. So just to Simon, the owner of the boat, and the boat represents over here, so only to Simon he comes, go into deeper water. And then to the others, he says, let down the nets for a catch. So there's an invitation that was just told to Simon, to Peter. So, and, Jesus, and Peter and Simon answered, Master. So he first recognize, recognizes there's something on this man I'm not aware of. So I'm not going to call him just Jesus. Because what he's starting to teach, I recognize there's something over there. So Master. And Jesus is amazing. Because Jesus comes to a fisherman. So Rich, my friend, Richard is my friend. That's why I usually choose my friends to give examples. So Richard is one of the best movie makers, filmmakers I've ever seen in my life. And suddenly, so let's use him as an example for that. Suddenly, Jesus comes to him and say, Rich, let's make some movie. 
for the person who does that, for the person who is, Jesus comes to fish a man to teach him how to fish. It is, I don't know how I usually, if I know how to do something, and someone comes to say, oh, but can you do this? I know what I'm doing. I don't know if you are that polite, where you, but if someone comes to tell me, oh, can you look after better Elena? Because I believe that, and literally, Jesus comes to a fisherman and says, I'm going to teach you to fish. And he replies, he replies to him, saying, Jesus, I don't want to call you stupid or something. I don't know if you are aware of something over here. He was respectful. He was not rude to God, to Jesus. But he comes and says, I don't know if you, if you know this, but I am a fisherman. I know what I'm doing. What I'm telling me to do, I already did. And it didn't work. Not that yesterday didn't work. But right now, I did. So what you're telling me to do, I already did. It's over here. Verse 4, verse 5. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But then, because he identifies that he was in the presence of someone. Then he says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners, to the other boat who was still on the shore, to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And then Simon Peter, when he saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me. And how did he call him? You can read. Lord, Jesus was not the master anymore. Jesus was not the carpenter anymore. Suddenly, Jesus comes, Peter comes to this man and says, Go away from me, Lord. It changes the perspective by being in his presence. He understood. The invitation was come deeper, go deeper. Leave where you are. Leave the, the same level where you are. Go deeper. Go deeper. And when he went there, he followed the instruction. He followed the guidance. He followed the direction. And he went deeper. He came to him and said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Every time we are in the presence of God, something remarkable will happen. The same thing happened with Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6 of, of the book of Isaiah. He said, when he saw the Lord, what did he say? I am so unworthy. When John, writing the, the book of Revelation, and sometimes the book of Revelation, we still think that it's talking about the end. Let me tell you something. The book of Revelation is not to tell you about the end. The book of Revelation is to tell you about how it is when Jesus is glorified. The first beginning of the book of Revelation. John was over there in, left 
pretty much one, the last of the disciples to be still alive. All the other ones were killed before already. And you have pretty much the last of the disciples, John, left over there. And then he sees what? The beginning of chapter, he sees the Lord glorified. And the Lord glorified himself. And when he saw him, what happened to him? He felt like he was dead. He felt on the floor. The presence of God will create this atmosphere. And then he has a vision and God tells him to, and the Son of Man, Jesus, tells him to write the letters for the, for the churches. He writes over there. And then we come to chapter 4, just after the letters. And then he sees what in chapter 4? He sees a door. Go reading. Chapter 4, he sees a door open in heaven. And then what is the first thing he sees before everything? Before he sees the Antichrist, before he sees the, the dragon and the, and the woman, before he sees everything else, what is the first thing he sees? He sees an open door in heaven. And what is the first see, thing he sees over there? A throne. Jesus is glorified in his presence. He will put in order everything else, everything that follows after in the book of Revelation is the consequence of being the presence of Jesus glorified. He will cast away sins. He will defeat the enemy. He will do all those things because he is the one glorified. And we are in the presence of the Lord Almighty who glo was glorified, who defeated hell. He is all powerful for that. And coming back to, the, to Luke Jesus said to him, uh, Peter said to Jesus, go away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. Because he and all his friends were astonished by the amount of fish that they had taken. I keep thinking, miracle. Miracle. For those who were watching by the shore, it's not a miracle, fisherman fishing. So to whom it was a miracle what Jesus did? It was only miracle for those who knew that it was impossible. Miracle only happens in our life. Because, come on, they were over there. They were used to see the fishermen. They used to see them every day. They would go out to fish every day, come back. If you're not part of the story, if you're seen from the aside, there's no miracle on fishermen fishing. Unless you know that the fish was impossible to be done without the hand of God. Miracle only happens when we are in the presence of, the, of Jesus Christ, understanding that it's impossible for me to be there without his hand supporting me. That I can't live without it. We need to change our behavior when we come to the church. Because we need to understand. The same way we are teaching our children. That they are coming to a place that they can't live without. It's impossible to live without. And miracles will, ha miracles will happen. Oh, I want to give a testimony. Elena, she... Living in the UK for us. It's... It's a blessing. We would never live anywhere else if we could. But we know that there's a, a price to pay for that. And uh, Elena, she 
and I, I, I'm not going to stop giving testimony about that because it's a personal life. So Elena, she was struggling a lot to go to the toilet for a wee. I hope it's not a rude word. No, thank you. Because sometimes I say things that I sh shouldn't. But it's with the best intention. But she was, and Paul and I were concerned a lot. A lot. Sometimes she was going to the toilet for a wee every 10, 20 minutes. And it's something that was happening for nearly six months, five months. And she would cry, say, why I need so much to go to the toilet? I don't understand. So we started doing what parents should do. So we started going through checks and everything. Uh, she loves swimming class and then she would be freaking out at, at her swimming class because Sandra said, I need a toilet. Uh, and she was suffering, and we were suffering a lot with her. And parents, when they see things with their children, we suffer. And she was, she was miserable. We, we had friends telling us she was going to a friend's house and saying, oh, I'm sorry to let you know, but I, I think something's all wrong with Eliana. She's going a lot to the toilet at school. So we, when we were in Brazil, we did a scan on her bladder and, and liver to check if everything was okay. She has done few uh, blood tests and urine tests, and we just could not find anything. And we were left there. Is it emotional? Is it? Because she, she tells us, Dad, why am I the only one of my friends who doesn't have her grandparents around? I can't have my grandparents for my birthday. Why am I the only one? So there's a lot on her little mind of four years old. And, and we went for a check, and oh, it's been, I'm usually emotional, but talking about my children makes me more emotional. Uh, when we came back from Brazil, and then we, once again, everything came negative. And, uh, and they said, we're going to have to uh, book a new appointment in, in six weeks for her. And I said, I came to God, I said, God, you are a father. You know how it is to see a child, your child, not well. So I'm talking to you as a father. I can't see my daughter in six weeks of the situation. Anyone seen from the outside and doesn't see that it's something impossible unless God does something in his presence. You'll never understand this as a miracle. But I knew that both, if it was emotional or if it was something not emotional, something physical, we came to a point, Paul and I, where it was simply impossible. And we spoke to God, God, we've reached a place over here that is just impossible. And we don't know what to do. And literally, and we spent a week praying and talking. And suddenly, in two days, am I lying? No. Suddenly, in two days, without us needing 
because they don't want to see her to see maybe a psychologist to talk to her if it was emotional or going through a, a better check uh, at the hospital, her for hospital. And suddenly, in two days, solved. I don't know. Yeah, you can give a clap to God about that. Because I'm telling you something. Solved. Completely solved. Anyone who is from the outside, who doesn't reach and understand that it's impossible, the impossibles, will never understand that in the presence of God there is miracle. But let me tell you something. What happened over here? Peter comes to this place and he says, I know that it's impossible, but because you are telling me so, I'm coming to your presence. And then the impossible happened. The impossible happened. And then to finish the story, then Jesus comes to him and says, look, don't be afraid. I won't give you new clothes. I won't change your... Your way of living. I'm not going to give you a different name. No. You are a fisherman. And you're still going to be a fisherman. But now I'm going to give you meaning. Purpose of what you do. Jesus doesn't come to Peter, to Simon and says, Look, you were a fisherman. But now that you've been in my presence and you saw healing, that you saw miracles, that you saw how deeper, that you got the invitation to go deeper with him and you saw the result of it. You are living deeper in my presence. You are seeing what can happen. I'm not going to give you a different name now. But now I'm going to come to you and I'm going to give you meaning of life. I'm going to give you now purpose of life. You are a fisherman, Peter. I made you a fisherman. But now you're going to be fishermen of, of people. So when Gabriela, when you go singing everywhere, you won't, you won't be called by God something different. But in the presence of God, instead of being called a singer, you'll be called a singer for people. A singer to people. Because God will bring understanding, purpose to what he has called us to. That was happened over here. But everything started, my friend. Everything started with someone making a simple invitation. You, go deeper. You, go deeper. Oh, but look, there's two boats. No, 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 no. You, in the presence of your father, starts with you. Go deeper. Go deeper. In the presence of God, if you go deeper and you stop, you gonna, I don't know the word in English, I forgot, drown. Because the invitation for God to take us deeper in his presence demands that we're gonna have to walk with him closer, one day at a time. 
God is calling you to go to a place where he can only, you can only survive supported by his hands. But there's no other place for us to be. He only starts. Who would like to go deeper with God? I want to go deeper with God. I want to go deeper with God. I need to go deeper with God. Because what I know from God was possible to sustain me until here. Now I have two children at home. What I know from God is not enough to look after them. What I know from God is not enough to look after myself right now. I need to go deeper with God. God will give you direction for that. 